You have just downloaded the Barbecue Central Show, which airs live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology. They can be found at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by the CHOPS Power Injector System, the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year at the NBBQA. Find them at barbecuekansascity.com. And by Butcher Barbecue. From injections to rubs to sauces, always trust your butcher at butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for everything and anything that has to do with barbecue. Their website is BigPapaSmokers.com. And by Cook Shack Pellet and Electric Grills. Visit them at PelletCooker.com or CookShack.com or call them 800-423-0698. And by Cookin' Pellets, you can buy Cookin' Pellets at CookinPellets.com. You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet grills on the market today. You can visit them at GreenMountainGrills.com. Hi, this is Bobby Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. Hey, you want to jump in tonight? Get it on. Get that phone out. Come on. Dial it up. 216-220-0966. Or in lieu of that, or in addition to, you can use the email address, which is free, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening In case you didn't get the newsletter tonight, coming up in about 13 minutes from now or so, you would recall that the second Tuesday of the month is traditionally reserved for a man who is widely considered to have the most popular barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth. Not just the country, not just the state and whence he resides, nay, The entire globe, Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com will show up right here for two segments starting in about 12 minutes from now. And then 
in a time frame that he has probably never had to meet before. In two weeks' time, he will return for his normally slotted two, uh, second Tuesday of the month slot, and uh, we'll talk about even more stuff. So you might be asking yourself, what are you talking about tonight? Inevitably, this subject comes up from time to time, and I don't know if it's because the cold weather has finally come up to the north and the east and the uh, up Midwest and what other regions of the country that are getting this cold weather, which I'll take now because, I mean, we are, we're pretty much through winter. I mean, we're done with January in just a mere few days. Here in Cleveland, you know, you can really start thinking spring, uh, spring right around, you know, mid-June. So we're almost there. So I'll take the very meager winter that we have had so far in lieu of anything. Uh, the last two years have been horrible. So uh, we will talk. So I, I digress. I got way off topic. So it seems as I've done this show for now almost seven years live, which will also happen next month. When it gets cold out, people want to know about pairing barbecue with wine. And they know for years and years, I've been a big fan of wine. I've been a big fan of a guy on the internet who really made wine popular a handful of years ago. His name, Gary Vaynerchuk from Wine Library, Wine Library TV. If you're somebody that's just getting into wine right now, or you want to take that foray into that particular industry, Meatheads is a great resource. Undoubtedly wrote for the Tribune and the Post and was... Uh, owned wine uh, tasting companies or contests or what? I mean, Meathead is very extended into a lot of competitions and international hosting things and uh, companies that he's bought and sold and, and all this other stuff, but very, very well versed in the wine world. However, if you want, I don't want to say dumb it down, but if you want somebody that's going to talk to you in plain English about what you should be looking for in flavor profiles when it comes to wine or you know, this varietal is going to tend this way, and this varietal is going to tend this way. You might want to pair this with that and the other thing. Go to Wine Library TV and watch from the beginning. He is a, a bullient host, chock full of knowledge. And if you know Gary from Twitter or from the fact that he's written best-selling books now on uh, New York Times bestsellers list, and he's you know, making $10 million a year. You've seen him on this show a couple different times as well, talking about wine and barbecue. But it seems like when it gets cold out, people want to talk about wine and they want to talk about barbecue. So I figure we would spend at least a portion of the interview segments with Meathead tonight kind of uh, recapping or rehashing, refreshing, uncorking the knowledge uh, that wine and barbecue share together. And believe it or not, if you've never heard our past conversations about wine and barbecue, there are there are some things that one does well with the other. So Meathead will talk about. It's going to be very fun and exciting. We're also going to be talking about uh, cold weather grilling and barbecue tips. And then we have a whole slew, a whole slew of Facebook questions as well. Meathead, a little late into the chat room, missed the whole five-minute talk-up I was talking about, about the wine stuff, nevertheless. So that's what we have currently on tap 
with Meathead tonight. And of course, if you're asking questions in the chat room and he uh, finds uh, and he affords you the opportunity to answer those questions, then uh, he will do that as well. So that's the first hour. Then we'll move into the second hour coming up at 10.14 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. A longtime sponsor of this show, widely considered to have the best injections out there on the market, whether it's on the competition scene or in the backyard for guys like me that do it in the backyard. Great sauces, great rubs, and we're going to be focusing on rubs tonight specifically because Dave Bosco Butcher Barbecue is entering four, count them, not one, no less than four new rubs into the market, which are either just being released right now or they're being shipped to stores first, and then we'll be onto the interwebs here shortly in a matter of days. So we're going to talk to Dave about all of that. And, of course, uh, you know, when it comes to this kind of uh, segment interview, I'm always very interested in how people are coming up with the ideas of flavors. And Dave has some Unique flavors that I don't think are, you know, kind of washed out there, and he's going to be lost in the fold with a, with a bunch of other similarly flavored rubs, if you will. So we'll talk to Dave about uh, the process that he goes through, uh, where he gets the um, the ideas or the synergies for particular flavor profiles, how you work on them, how you get those ingredients into the bottle into a product that you feel comfortable with taking to market because it's not like you're making it at home per se because uh, that's highly illegal so you're at some point having to trust like a company packer or somebody else to to make your brainchild for you to get it to market so we'll talk to dave about the new rubs that he's got coming out which you can uh, check out at butcherbbq.com and then uh, rounding out the show tonight uh, we had him at the middle of last year and we were kind of sparse in our visits uh, towards the tail end of 2015 but we've uh, vowed together that we will have him on in his once a month spot, which is uh, the official barbecue sauce and rub reviewer, Scott Roberts from scottrobertsweb.com. And tonight, Scott is unveiling his best of the best 2015, the three rubs and the three sauces he thought should be levied as the best sauces and rubs of 2015 he will lay those out for you in detail he will give you the uh, ordering information he will give you price points he will give you how much you get in a particular bottle when you buy it just like he normally does but uh, this is kind of like the gold standard everybody always asking me well you know what does scott pick for best of the year because it obviously is going to vary from uh, year to year and, uh, you know, a bunch of new stuff coming out each and every year. So it's hard to kind of keep up and keep track. And perhaps this is the year we'll keep the, the list running and, and maybe we can start jockeying things on and off as each year passes going forward so we can kind of have that running. I mean, who knows? You could run into a rub that never gets bucked out of the number one spot or the number three spot or uh, something along those lines, but there's at least two or maybe one that comes along each year and you know kind of reassesses the top three in uh, Scott's opinion. So there'll be a total of six products. Again, three sauces, three rubs, and that's going to take place at 10.35. If we have some downtime or if there's something incredibly technically bad that's happening, I do have the studio tour on tap that we can do as well. We also have... A round, one more round, and then I'll have to record yet another one. Can a seventh grader say it? So who knows what can happen tonight? It's on. 
We're live, local, and late breaking. Tell everybody the show's on. Send them to the website. Send them to OutdoorCookingChannel.com. Send them over to the BarbecueCentralShow.com. And let everybody know that uh, we are rocking and rolling, ready to take questions. Meathead coming up right out of the break. I'm talking to you now about Cook Shack. Fast Eddie's by Cook Shack Pellet Grill is a smoker and grill in one. It is a stainless steel, 100% wood-burning pellet-fired cooker that uses direct and indirect heat up to 800 degrees Fahrenheit. It is the only pellet grill on the market that uses charbroiler technology. It features electronically controlled temperature to eliminate large heat fluctuations to dry and shrink meat. A pellet grill can bake, grill, barbecue, roast, sear, and smoke. Cook Shack has two models of pellet grills. The PG-1000 features a fully insulated, double-walled roll hood for superior heat retention, fuel savings, and maximizing cooking performance. The PG-500 features a two-way swing lid, pellet drop, and a utensil holder. The 500 and 1000 have many great features, including 784 square inches of cooking space, easy side-loading pellet hopper, fully automated wood pellet feed system, stainless steel cooking grate on the direct zone side that produces killer-looking sear marks, nickel-plated grill marks on the indirect and top racks, a drip bucket, a pellet ash drawer, 100% stainless steel construction, warming drawer, 40 pounds of cook shack hickory pellets, and the world-famous 30-day money-back guarantee, which simply means you can get the Cook Shack, cook on it for as much as you want within 30 days, and if you don't like it within that 30-day period, send it back. They will take it back. What's the worst that happens? You cooked on a great cooker for between 1 and 29 days. You've decided you didn't like it. You get your money back. Nobody else is doing that in the industry. Forget about it. Nobody. It's versatile pellet cooker. It adds full flavor to your recipes, including fajitas, ribs, chicken steaks, dessert sides, large cuts of meat. It can do it all, including cold smoking. Grilling with wood pellets penetrates the food with an intense smoky flavor, giving you that smoky flavor you're looking for because when you cook with pellets, the fuel is consistent and the smoke is more flavorful. Here's how you get in touch with them. Check out Cook Shack's YouTube channel. Go to the cooking guide on their website, which is cookshack.com. Again, that's cookshack.com, or you can call them toll-free and talk to a friendly sales expert at 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Cookshack.com is the website, or like with anything now, it's all on YouTube. Visit Cookshack's YouTube page as well. All right, Meathead Goldwyn coming up out of the break. We will start with wine and barbecue and work our way from there. Wow. Stick around. You're watching and listening to the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show is being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. 
If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. How about something medium size? Small family, single guy, you like the barbecue, they got you covered there. Something to take on tailgates, yeah, covered there too. Also, they can supply you with pellets to fire those cookers. Check them out at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. You know, I say it each and every week. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You could love your GreenMountainGrill.com as well if you just answer the calls to go to the Internet for the website. All right, I need ribs, ribs to ease my pain. Of course, those lyrics, while flowing easily off the pen of the creator of the most famous and heavily trafficked barbecue grilling and website in the uh, on the earth, we go to none other than Meathead Goldwyn on the Barbecue Central show. Look at this. Meathead, what are you doing? Um, I'm just kind of looking at my... Um pinup girl collection in 3d yeah you like that yeah i, I have uh, um yeah okay never mind hi hi uh how's the rock and roll barbecue rock star and hello centralites well meathead we're doing well and we're happy to have you this week Filling in your, you know, missed second Tuesday, which of course you didn't have to do, which I appreciate the fact that you're on tonight. We're going to cover. Oh, thank you. It's fun. Uh, You know, I always like talking to you. Of course. Uh, And then we're going to, of course, turn right back around in two weeks' time and uh, get right back into the. You, of course, what? that's your slot meathead. Are you kidding me? I take it back. People, people want to have a lot of meathead. All right. So here's the deal. We have a lot of stuff to get to tonight. Uh, we always think we're going to have uh, way too much to talk about and then end up with extra time. And, of course, it always works in the opposite direction. So let's jump right out of the gun. And as I had mentioned in the show open, it seems like, for whatever reason, when it gets colder out, uh, the more requests or questions come into me, and I don't know if you find the same thing, about uh, wine and barbecue. I don't know if it, you know wine kind of warms the soul or if they're looking for something new to drink with barbecue, whatever. But I find that when it starts to turn, and it's finally started to turn here, kind of. I mean, a mild winter meathead. For the last two winters that we've had, I mean, I'll take this every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But we've had a little snap, a little cold. So I'm getting the wine questions, and I figure... Why not get a wine expert on here? And I asked Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like, I can't do it. I said, Well, I know Meathead is a wine guy too, so let's get. Give I your. I was cre- a wine guy. Give your Once credentials. Once upon a time in a previous life, yes, I was the wine critic for the Washington Post and wow. the Chicago Tribune, and had a magazine about wine, and uh, I was deeply into it. And uh, how do you, I was how do you get into it? How, like, how do you get into that? And and you're able to be the the wine guy oh, for the man. Tribune. I, I drank my way through college, didn't you? Um, yeah, of course. I, I got a job at a liquor store in Gainesville, Florida, and uh, just started tasting all the wines. And uh, one one year at Easter dinner, um, I b- brought this bottle from the wine shop that I had found in a book by Hugh Johnson, and they had the bottle and the label and the book and. And I brought it to Easter dinner, and um, everybody at the table, poor Connie, she had worked all day making this fabulous meal, and all anybody could talk about was the wine. And it was the first time any of us knew that there was something better than Ripple, better than uh, uh, Boone's Farm. And we, 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 we occasionally splurged on Matus and uh, Lancers. This was a Chateau Carbonneau Blanc, a uh, white Bordeaux, spectacular. 
And that's where the uh, the love grew, huh? It was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was like first sex. Wow. Wow. That's great. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Um, and I, I got a job. I, you know, I was working in the liquor store, and we just started bringing home wines every night. Well, not every night, but once or twice a week, I'd bring home wine, taste it with my buddies. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I like to taste liquor and beer. I'm into beer. Uh, I, yeah, you know, I'm just a wino. You know, you know what the difference between a connoisseur and a wino is? Uh, you have to pay the connoisseur a lot of money. Uh, it's about twelve bucks a bottle. <laughs> yes, of course it is. Um, man, you you said lancers. Holy crap! What a pull yeah. on that one! Oh my yeah. lord! Um, I'm so old. I'm so old. How old are you? I remember when lancers actually came in a stone crock. Yeah, I remember. My, I think my parents used to drink Lancers back in the yeah. day. Yeah, wow. Um, all right, so let's get after it. Uh, we let we talk about wine. Uh, is, you know, is there anything that we need to know? Oh my lord! I mean, there's there, it's such a vast subject to kind of to fit it in like this. But I mean, is it something that you you want to before you want to just start? If you've never been a big wine person, or you've never, I never liked wine until I was. Uh, plus 30. I tried it every year. I hated it. And then I turned 30. I was at a steakhouse. I had wine and I was like, it was a revelation. It was yeah. great. My palate changed and it was a wonderful thing. And I've, I've been on board ever since now, 10 years later. That's an interesting phenomenon in the United States because we have this minimum drinking age of 21. Um, so most of us really don't discover wine until we hit the age of, you know, 19, 20, 21. Um, in Europe, they don't have that. But if you talk to people who are into drinking or into wine or into whiskey or into beer, they almost it's almost like a first sex experience. They almost all remember that Revelation bottle, like I just told you about my Chateau Carbonio 67. Um, you have your very vivid memory of the wine you drank at the steakhouse. Most people who are into wine have similar stories. I've always thought that I would love to do a book of interviewing people Asking them to talk about their first uh, great drink, you know, the first thing where they say, whoa, this is special. Um, so it's a uniquely American thing, I think. Um, so if you if you don't have a lot of experience with wine, but you're a great barbecue pit master, uh, whether you're on the competition scene or just a backyard guy like me, is it something that you can just, you know, foray right into? Or should you buy a couple of bottles just to kind of season your palate a little bit? Uh, what are your suggestions there? Um I'd suggest finding a good wine merchant. Um, uh, when I was, I used to work in uh, liquor stores, and I learned a pattern of questions that I would ask people. For example, do you like unsweetened grapefruit juice? If you like unsweetened grapefruit juice, you like tart, acidic, and you can tolerate low sugar drinks. So I can steer you to a Chardonnay or a Sauvignon Blanc or something that is high acid and low sugar. Um, if you uh, put four cubes of sugar in your coffee, you're probably going to want to drink a sweeter wine. Uh, and I'd steer you to I don't know, a Lambrusco or something or a uh, Asti Spumanti. Um, those are sweeter wines. So uh, a good wine merchant can steer you in the right direction. Um, and now, I, now I, I know a lot about wine in theory because I was deeply involved in the wine business, but it's like baseball each year. New wineries appear, they go up this ladder of uh, excellence. So if you ask me, like, who's making great Cabernet today, I don't know. But if you ask me what's a good wine for drinking with pork ribs, 
I can give some good ideas and or these kinds of questions about how to select wine. So uh, getting good basic wine knowledge, there's this old Yiddish expression, um, let not your learning exceed your deeds lest you become like a tree with many branches and few roots, which means you got to drink a lot of wine. And that's not hard. No, absolutely not. It's very easy to do, and you can do it very quickly if you're doing it the right way. Or not, depending on the bottle of wine that you'll be drinking. So let's go ahead and take the four main barbecue meats and kind yeah. of you know work off that. Uh, let's start with chicken, barbecue chicken. So you're going to be potentially uh, seasoning this with something that may be a little salty, maybe a little sweet. Uh, you're going to get some smoke on it, uh, maybe some barbecue sauce on the side, or maybe you're just going ahead and, and glazing it right off the bat. So a lot of different variables. That's the key. And you really struck upon it. Um, people will not who know me listen in here regularly or go to the website know that the iconoclastic side of me is going to offer a different approach. They often say, go this wine with chicken, this wine with beef. But you really have to look at what's the dominant flavor. If you're using a Kansas City-style barbecue sauce, it's a thick, red, sweet sauce, you're going to, it's going to really, it's going to be the dominant flavor of that chicken. If you're seasoning it, as I like to do, with an herb rub and not a sweet sauce, so it's mostly chicken flavor with herbs, then that's going to steer you in a completely different direction. So I think what you do is, if you're looking to do the matching game, where you want to find flavors that complement each other, uh, and there's complement and complement, spelled with an I and with an E, complement meaning um, uh, be a good match for it, like uh, a yellow shirt goes well with brown pants, or, or complement with an E, meaning a uh, yellow shirt also goes well with blue pants. They're opposite on the color spectrum. Um, you can go opposites. Um, uh, the... the um, the dominant flavor of the food is what you're looking for in choosing the the, the matching wine. So with a really um, uh, hot, spicy um, sauce, I might go for something a little sweet like an Asti Spumante. I know that sounds heretical. Uh, these are not great wines, but they're really refreshing, bubbly. I mean, we know beer goes great with barbecue. We love the bubbly effect. Um, so uh, start thinking about what the dominant flavor is. When you get to a, a brisket type of a situation, again, you know, so with all the barbecue meats, we're going to have uh, the similar issue that we were just talking about, uh, dominant flavors and are you saucing and what kind of sauce and what kind of rubs, this, that, and the other thing. But in a brisket situation, inevitably, and you hear it from guys in the backyard or on the competition seat, you want it to taste like beef. You still want the beef flavor to shine through. Yeah. So now you have a little bit better uh, ability to apparel wine, uh, mm -hmm. at least in a brisket sense, and probably in a pork sense, too. And most of us are not – again, here we hear the same kind of concept. When we cook brisket, we look for what complements brisket. And we don't normally douse it in a sweet sauce. We normally taste brisket and say, you know, it doesn't need a lot more than salt and pepper. Right. And that's true of a lot of beef uh, products. But brisket tastes a lot different than a ribeye steak, um, even though it's the same animal and it's the same base flavor. But you've got a lot more um, uh, uh, gelatinous material from the collagen that's melted. 
it's a it's a, it's a unctuousness. It's a um, um, uh, almost a um, uh, gelatinous character if you if you've cooked it well. Um, and for that, I want acid. I want something that's going to cut that fattiness. Um, when you have a crisp, acidic wine and a fatty food, um, the acidity is, it's like brushing your teeth between each bite. So you, you, you take a bite of brisket and your mouth gets coated with all these unctuous flavors. And then you take a sip of a good, crisp, acidic wine and it rinses them out. So for me, I'd go for something like a Pinot Noir, which is a red that has ten, tends to be on the acidic side. A lot of folks would say uh, beef, and I want to go with a big cab, uh, Cabernet mm-hmm. Sauvignon, because I want something that's going to stand up to the beef flavor. Um, but you're saying at least consider something that is going to cut through some of the flavors that are going to be sticking around in your mouth. Yeah, I mean, a filet mignon doesn't have much fat or... Um, uh, collagen, so you don't need that acidity. I don't think. Well, um, it, 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 you know, it t- taste is still a matter of taste, and some people like brisket better than ribeye, and some people like ribeye better than others. So you're going to find the wine you like, and if there's only one wine you like, drink it with everything. Um, when I was courting my wife, we uh, we got into going to Chinese restaurants and uh, really got into Rieslings. And we'd bring Riesling, and I just bought a box of Riesling and dumped it at the Chinese restaurant, and they kept it in the walk-in for me. And uh, we'd show up two or three nights a week, and it just worked with just about everything. So we just drank it with everything. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it, and and you know the beer people. I'm into beer, but not as much as say Chef Ryan, my test kitchen chef. Um, the beer people really know these flavor components and matches, and they do the same thing. They'll match beers. I mean, your Belgian ales are really rich and sweet, and they go with one kind of food. So, I mean, it's just a lot of fun to play with. Uh, Meathead, one of the other topics that uh, we wanted to talk about is just a uh, quick, and we got about eh, five, five and a half minutes here before we uh, head into the first break, and then we'll get on to some Facebook questions. we got all the reader questions, too. There's some really good ones. I'd love to get to those. Yeah, we're going to get to those, uh, absolutely. Uh, Just a quick refresher on cold weather barbecue and grilling tips, you know, some of the the most important ones that you tell everybody about. Yeah, wind uh, is is really the enemy. Um, I mean, what, things to keep in mind, when it's really cold outside, remember you have two fuels. If you're burning um, charcoal or wood, you have the, the, the charcoal or wood and oxygen. Oxygen is one of the fuels. And the oxygen coming into your cooker is cold. So it's going to um, require more energy to warm that air to create combustion. And you're going to need more f- of the other fuel. You're going to need more charcoal or wood, and you're going to need more oxygen. You're going to have to open up your vents. You've got to deal with different atmospheric conditions. Um, wind will cool your box down. I mean, ideally, when you're cooking in a warm weather situation, you heat up your cooking, your, your, your cooker, um, so that the exterior metal is all warm and retains heat. But when it's windy and cold or rainy and snowing, that's going to really significantly cool down the exterior. If it snowed the night before, get the snow off your box. Wipe it all off. Don't just fire it up and let the, 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 the uh, heat melt it. Uh, or if you do, wait until it's all off there before you put the meat in. I mean, the most important thing in any outdoor cooking is 
get to your target temperature and stabilize. Once you're at your target temperature and stabilize, then in goes the meat. The meat's not likely to change the interior temperature that much it's, unless it's a huge piece of meat in a very small uh, cooker. Um, so, you, you know, temperature control is where it, what it's all about, and it takes more fuel in cold weather. And if you've got a Weber Smoky Mountain, I've seen people build like a little box for it, a little... Uh, Windbreak. Uh, Windbreak, yeah. I mean, it's like a, uh, and actually, I've seen people take cardboard refrigerator boxes and just stick them over a Weber Smoky Mountain just as a windbreak. And then what happens is it traps warm air inside. And so you're essentially insulating. It's a great technique. One of the other things to, to build on the Weber Smoky Mountain uh, specifically, I don't know if they still make it, but uh, the barbecue guru used to make what they called a smoking jacket. And you'd, yeah. you'd pop that right over still it. Do. And it had uh, vent cutouts at the bottom so it could still draft up from the bottom. And it had an exhaust uh, uh, flap, too, so you would uh, draft properly. But then I've also seen people take hot water heater uh, yes. insulation and then roll that around the cooker because that's obviously going to be able to stand up to the temperatures that the cooker is going to achieve and then again make sure that you're cutting out you know around the dampers at the bottom and, and making sure the thing can exhaust properly to keep the draft going uh, but those you are make things sure it's that, not going to go up in flames yeah right but that's going to help you conserve <laughs> uh charcoal as well because it's not you know just kind of naked out there in the cold it's going to be a little bit more fuel efficient so you can maybe get some longer burn times in the sub-zero temperatures Last year, uh, I asked people on Facebook and uh, on my website to uh, tell me how they deal with cold weather cooking, and I got some great pictures, uh, particularly of Weber Smoky Mountain shelters that people build. Uh, I mean, one guy built like an outhouse for his, and all kinds of little simple folding wooden boxes and stuff, windbreaks, uh, all kinds of wraps for offset smokers like you were just talking about out of um, uh, hot water heater jackets and stuff. And uh, in the article, I list some of the materials that we know will withstand high heat and stuff like that. So uh, check the table of contents for uh, cold weather cooking on my website. One of the other uh, keys that I usually tell people, and it sounds so elementary, but when you're in sub-zero temperatures or cold or working in the snow or whatever, uh, you have a tendency to forget that perhaps whatever you're cooking with is hot and you reach for it with your bare hand because it's just cold and you don't realize that it's 500 degrees or 300 degrees or something. Uh, so be aware that just because it's cold outside doesn't mean that the cooker you have a fire in is also just as cold and you can just grab after it with bare hands. Greg, I do that in the summer. I <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, let me grab that. <laughs> Burn the shit out of myself. Meathead Goldwyn uh, runs AmazingRibs.com, and you can check that out for all of this nefarious information that we're talking about as well. All right, so here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll break now. I'll come back, and then we'll get into the Facebook questions, and we'll have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, there's some really good questions uh, in there, and particularly a real stumper on uh, sous vide. All right, we'll do that here in uh, just one second. Stand by. Meathead Goldwyn on the Barbecue Central Show. Filling in tonight and then turning around in two weeks' time. Lest he think anything different than that, by the way. All right, let me talk to you for a few minutes, uh, by the way, as uh, apropos it would be, about the longest-running sponsor of the show, The Barbecue Guru. Look, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They created this technology. Why are you going to buy it from anybody else? Patently ridiculous. If you're not familiar with how they work, uh, a brief idea here. Imagine a product that allows you to set a pit temperature. 
And then once it's set, it keeps it running at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? No. This is exactly what happens on each Barbecue Guru temperature control device. Now, if you're a busy working professional like me, or perhaps you're constantly on the run with the kids, you're doing errands, you just don't have that time to set around and tend pit temperatures. I get it. The Guru allows you to throw on that pork butt or brisket or a couple slabs ribs or all of that. And then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. The Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. Uh, the one we talk about a lot on this show because it is a self-contained unit, because it runs on AA batteries, because you can run it from one cooker to the next kind of cooker to the next kind of cooker, is the Party Q. It's $149. That's right. $149. You can stick it on a multitude of cookers and take advantage of a device that uh, you can set at 225 degrees or 235 degrees or 250 degrees, and it'll just sit there and run and run and run. Keeps right there. Again, since we're talking about cold weather stuff, do you want to be out there in the snow uh, making vent adjustments, things of this nature? Well, maybe not. The Guru is something you might want to check out. If you're in the market for a cooker, they are still making the Onyx Oven. That has won in the competition scene for years. It's also very popular in the backyard, very big. Holds a lot of food, accommodates the half and full pans for food service, working seamlessly with the Barbecue Guru temperature control devices. So here's what you do. You head on over to the website, thebbqguru.com. You check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, don't guess. Don't guess. Call them. 800-288-GURU. Yeah, that's 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, the number 800-288-GURU or the website, thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a bar, uh, breakthrough in barbecue technology. And we are back with Meathead and Facebook questions. Right after this, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers, Traegers, and Grillas, and Green Mountain Grills, and Cook Shacks, and Rec Techs, and all those other ones. You visit cookandpellets.com. You buy all the pellets you want. Also, if you like Amazon.com, they purchase. So you can purchase them there as well. They run great deals on shipping from time to time. So download the cookandpellets.com app on your phone. They will alert you when Amazon is blowing them out for cheap on the freight. Cookandpellets.com. Only pellet-selling website that has their own app, I believe, as well. Meathead uh, continues to join me here on the show. Meathead. So we have a number of questions here on my Facebook page. I have a lot of friends on the Facebook. And yeah, I said, hey, and, and there's some really smart questions there. Well, I mean, I have smart listeners for crying. I mean, who are you kidding? Wow, you couldn't tell it by looking in the chat room, for Christ's sake. Yeah, well, look, that's a whole different kind of thing going on in there. So I Where's said, hey, John Dawson when we need him? I, who knows? I don't even know if he's in the barbecue business anymore. I think he's, uh, um, you know, enjoying Idaho. Who knows? Uh, so here's what I wrote. Meathead Goldwyn will be doing the first hour of the show tonight. Any questions or topic you'd like us to burn on, leave below. We'll get as many as we can during the show. So here we go. 
The first question right off the bat is from Haniel Trisna. It says, if we cook meat to a certain temperature, then cool it down, then in the future, heat it up again. Does the internal temperature still reflect doneness? For example, we sous vide a bunch of steaks to 125 to tenderize in vacuum-sealed bags, then freeze them for future use. When we bring it back to temp to try and sear, when it hits 125 again, is it at the same doneness as the first time as it reaches 125? And is it okay to take it up to 135 or 140 for medium rare, like we, uh, or do we end up overcooking it? Wow. Oh, my, my head hurts. Actually, this is a really good question. Okay. First of all, let's let's lay the groundwork on the possibility somebody out here doesn't know what we mean by sous vide. Although I have a feeling that it is going to be the hot Christmas oh, gift yeah. uh, next year. Yeah. And everybody's going to have one. Um, whether it will last as a cooking um, technique or if it's just a fad, who knows. But sous vide is a method of typically the way it's done is you take, say, a ribeye steak. You put it in a plastic bag suck all the air out with a vacuum sealer, seal it up tight, and then you dip it in a bath of water with a heating element in there that you can set the temperature for. So if you like medium-rare steak, you'll set it for 130 to 135. And what happens is the water heats up to 130 to 135. Actually, some of them you can set to tenths of a degree, 130.2. And it'll go right up to 130.2 and stay there. Yep. And so the water is at that temp. The meat will gradually rise slowly to that temp. Slow cooking, gradual. We like that. Breaks down connective tissue. And it's very gentle. There's very little moisture loss because it's in this plastic bag. There's no drip loss like you get it on the fire. And uh, when it hits 133.2 or whatever you set it for, it can't go any higher. Because the water is 133.2. So you can't overcook. Right. And you can walk away and leave it there for hours. It's really cool. The problem is, is when you take the meat out, it's really ugly. It's just kind of dull gray. Um, and so what you need to do is sear it. And you can sear it in a hot pan or a griddle or on the grill. And I'm going to be doing some more writing about sous vide to grill. And this is kind of what this question is coming at. What a lot of restaurants do, and you may not know it, is they'll take their steaks and they'll put them in a sous vide bath and get them all up to 130 or so medium rare. And then when the order comes in for a steak, they'll pull it out of that bag and throw it on the grill and sear it. What they'll also do is at the end of the day, if they got 10 steaks left that haven't been ordered, they go in the fridge because they're already cooked to 130. And this is where the reader's question comes in. If it's cooked to that temperature, you can freeze it, you can chill it, and then pull it back out, and it's actually undergone most of the chemical changes and most of the physical changes that you're going to have. So all you have to do is what they call retherm it. You bring it back up to temp. Now, it takes almost as long to bring it up to temp as it did in the first place, a couple of hours maybe in a, in, a, in, a, in a lukewarm bath like that. But when it comes back up to temp... There's almost no difference from when you cooked it fresh first, and then you can sear it off. So what um, the pros will do is they'll cook it for medium rare to 130, 132. There's some, there's some food safety issues here. Um, uh, pathogens start dying at around 130 degrees. So you usually don't want to cook it less than that 
because now you're in the danger zone and the pathogens can be multiplying. But at 130, they start dying and they die very slowly. At 160, they die very quickly. At 130, they die slowly, but you're going to keep it in there for hours, so you're going to kill them all off. You're going to pasteurize. So you've got now a, a cooked piece of meat that's pasteurized at 130, which is perfect temp, in the fridge, pull it out, and now you can reheat it to, say, 128, which is a little, just a couple of degrees under, but this way you're not overcooking it, and then hit it on the grill. When you hit it on the grill, if you put it on a really hot grill, you get that beautiful dark exterior sear that you want, and you don't overcook the center, especially if you leave the lid up so that the heat builds up on the outside. So it's a really interesting technique. I've played with it quite a bit. Um, I've got two sous vide machines in-house and another one coming. And um, you get really, really tender, juicy meat. Um, I've also done, I mentioned John Dawson, he coined the term redneck sous vide, which is reverse sear. And reverse sear, we've talked about, you start off, indirect heat, low temperature, and then you bring it over to high heat and finish it over there. And I've done the head-to-head -head comparison, sous vide versus redneck sous vide, and there's no question redneck sous vide tastes better. Cooking it longer on the grill tastes better, but it's more tender and more juicy out of the sous vide machine. So it's a decision you've got to make. Trade-off, juiciness and tenderness. So if you've got a tough steak, you know, like a round steak maybe, yep. you go in the sous vide machine. Uh, but if you've got a very tender piece of meat, like a filet or uh, ribeye, um, reverse here. Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. Next question, uh, and thank you, Haniel, for uh, writing it. Brandon Nelson writes, if I'm smoking pork and it comes off the smoker 12 to 18 hours before actual serving time, what's the best way to keep it? Let it cool and put it in a fridge or try to keep it warm? Yeah, boy, that is a bitch. 12 to 18 hours is the killer. If it comes off two, three hours, or you can put it in a Cambro, which uh, most everybody knows is a uh, plastic insulated box that caterers use. And w once it's heated up, it'll hold stuff pretty darn well for a long time. Um, I'm uh, Or a faux Cambro, which is a beer cooler. I, yeah. I have a, uh, just somebody, the guys at Pelican just sent me their latest Pelican coolers. And it's amazing. It'll keep stuff pretty darn solid for like eight, ten hours. Yeah. Um, um, so you can throw it in there for three or four hours, depending on the quality of the Cambro. If you've got a really good one, you can get eight, ten hours, and it won't lose a lot of heat. A good technique is you fill it with hot water so that it comes up to temp. Then you wrap the meat in, in blankets or towels yep. and foil. Foil first, then blankets and towels. Throw it in the uh, warm Cambro, and you might get 10, 12 hours, 12 to 18 hours. Oh, boy. Well, um, I, I think here's what I think, and I, I fully agree. I don't have any of the fancy Cambro stuff, but I have a nice Coleman cooler, and I preheat it with boiling water, and then I dump it out once it's all hot, and then I double wrap it in foil tight, and then I wrap it in the blankets, and I put more blankets on the bottom and the top and try to make it as insulated as possible. I've had no issue holding for six or eight hours, ever. I mean, it's consistent, especially if you have more than one. Maybe you're cooking, you know, three or four, or you got more heat mass in there. I mean, you're you're... It's no problem. But my question is this to Brandon. Why in the hell are you done 12 to 18 hours ahead of time? Unless you well, need to, you unless you need it to, you're, you need, you have one cooker, you're going to be cooking a multitude of stuff, something like this. He's got a tea time. 
<laughs> he's, oh, he's getting up in the morning it. and he's going golfing and he wants to take the meat out and it's going to sit in the camera till he gets back from golfing. I've heard these kind of questions before. Now, there is another interesting approach. Mike Wozniak of QOW Barbecue, yep. um, one of the really good teams out there on the circuit, he competes full time pretty much. It's, you know, his, his living pretty much. And he wins a lot. And uh, I wrote about this. You'll find it on uh, again on AmazingRibs.com. He will. He just got tired of spending all night watching his cookers, and he come up came up with a technique of essentially cooking it up to the stall point, wrapping it up really well, putting it in a plastic bag, sticking it in a cooler, but this time with ice, and he chills it down, and then he gets up in the morning and continues to cook. And um, uh, he uh, he's been he wins prizes still, um, you know this stuff that we're handling like a little tiny baby may have a little more resilience than we think. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. Uh, next question is from uh, Kevin Terazuski, and he says, if a barbecue radio show host speaks and no one is listening, did he really say anything at all? I know that guy, so forget about it. I, mean, I think we know he's full of shit. Um, next question is from Todd Spickler. too sensitive. That's funny. I like that. <laughs> um, Todd Spickler is, says, what is Meathead's opinion on wrapping ribs completely or boating them in foil and leaving the top open, meat side down in both cases? All right. Well, the question is a little confusing because he asked about wrapping it completely, and then he asked about leaving the top open. And what we've learned is, and Dr. Blonder did some really interesting research on this, it, when you wrap meat in foil, you really want to wrap it carefully. You want to wrap it tight. You don't want leakage. Because what we know is, is that the stall is related to moisture escaping the surface, steam essentially, and cooling the meat. So you've got, I mean, under, with, without wrapping it, you've got a hunk of meat, and you're cooking it around 225, which is low temperature, and the surface is all wet, and water starts coming off that surface. And it doesn't have to boil, although we're at 225, so it's above the boiling point. So the surface is getting hot, and steam comes off, and the surface starts drying out, and it starts pulling moisture from deep inside the meat to replenish that surface to keep it from getting too dry. And when that steam comes off, it's just like sweat. It cools. As it comes off, the energy escapes, and the surface drops in temperature. And so you reach this stability point or this, this equilibrium where it's heating at the same rate as it's cooling and we stall and the temperature never goes up. And that's caused by evaporation, evaporative cooling. And we beat that either by turning up the temp to 300 degrees, which then steams out the surface faster and it doesn't stall so, uh, so much or at all, or we can wrap it in foil. And wrapping in foil work works really well. If you leave it gaps open, if you just wrap it loosely, then steam continues to escape. So you're not having the same effect. You are having an effect, but not the same effect. So you really want to use your double um, thickness foil, and you may want to put it on two layers, and you want to crimp it up really tight um, to keep it in a closed environment. And then you're essentially braising it in its own liquid and steaming it, inside there and it can't cool and it powers through so his question's a little confusing because he asked about wrapping it completely and then um boating it 
in foil and leaving the top open. And I think what he means by boating it, it it's a couple of techniques. You can put it in an aluminum pan and put a cover over it or wrap it in foil. Um, but if you leave the top open, you're going to have evaporation. You're going to have cooling. You're going to have the stall. You're going to slow cooking. Now, this is off topic a little bit, but, you know, there's a lot to be said for the stall. Stall. It really can put a monkey wrench in your timing in a competition, but the stall allows the meat to tenderize. It, it's where things break down deep inside, and it also forms bark because that surface evaporates and dries out and essentially becomes jerky, and that's wonderful-tasting stuff. So you have these tough conundrums to decide. All right. Uh, I think we have one time for one last question here, Meathead. And it's from uh, Mark Gibbs. And he says, my question to Meathead would be your opinion on cooking other things like seafood or dessert type items in a competition smoker. Does cooking these items foul up the smoker? Now, it would have been really uh, funny if he would have said something like, you know, chicken, and then said foul up. Yeah, but yeah, that's good, Greg. Not everybody can be funny uh, as us, right, Meathead? Um, there's no doubt about seafood. Fish yeah, has crazy. really stinky oil, Oof. and um, that oil um, can get into the sides. Now, the, you don't have to have a thick coat of carbon or grease on the inside of your cooker, and that's not necessary. And, in fact, there's good evidence that it's a bad idea. And a lot of the best cooks I know will steam clean or uh, pressure wash those babies out. Um, a, a light layer of carbon is good. But um, uh, if you have an oil coat or a heavy carbon coat inside there, the fish oils just get into that. And they just contaminate everything. So I've got um, – I have an old electric cooker, a smoker. And I just don't like electric smokers at all for anything except fish. They really do a nice job on fish. I really hate electric cookers. I, I tell people don't buy them. But I have an, an old master-built electric that I'll use for fish sometimes. I just don't want fish uh, around where I'm going to do pork or beef unless I'm very meticulous and clean it out really well. Now, he asked also about desserts. I don't think that's so much an issue no. because you're primarily looking at sugar and flour, and I don't think they're going to muck up the interiors at all. But seafood, um, unless it's a really quick cook, like grilling shrimp, that's, you know, on and off, you don't have an issue. But if you're smoking salmon, then your pork loin or whatever could taste fishy. Yeah, I think, um, uh, my unfortunately, my father-in-law is a huge fisherman, and he's always either at Lake Erie or some of the streams out here, and they do steelhead trout and mm -hmm. uh, pike and, you know, all this other stuff. And Love he's a them. master filet, and he's like, hey, smoke them in your... And I'm like, oh, God. You know, so I will cook everything else uh, before I had the multiple cookers that I had. And then I would always cook that last. And then everything would get a stiff scouring and blow out of the, you know, wash and everything. Because I'm so – I don't really like fish anyway. And then on top of that, I'm definitely afraid that the next time I cook on it, something's going to take on a, a trout smell. And, and I don't want that. So I agree with well, you. Be careful. The thing is, is fish cook so quickly and doesn't right. need a lot of smoke. That um, you you can pick up an El Cheapo Brinkman or whatever, you know, for $150, $200 or used 
Uh, I mean, just just drive around the alleys make, late summer, and you'll find everybody throwing away their crappy offset smokers. Yeah, they bought uh, for 150 bucks at Home Depot, and they could never get control of temperature, so they swore off smoking. And those things are out in the alley at the end of the year, uh, and and just set it aside and dedicate it to uh, to fish smoking. Meathead Goldwyn is at AmazingRibs.com. If you have any questions, show up there. He will uh, get back to you uh, typically within the hour or so if you're posting questions on his website. And uh, you can find him here on the – yeah, what, what? Can I Can I say, say something? All right. I'll break news. I'll break news. I haven't oh, even wait, wait. told people hold on. on my website. Okay, hold on. A Barbecue Central Show <laughs> exclusive news update. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Rappi reporting here from the breaking news desk in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. We're going to send it down to the Windy City and see what's happening with Meathead Goldwyn. Oh, you're great. You're, you really are great. You're the best. I love the way you do that. You just really know the radio biz. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's not that big a deal. Um, we have the Pitmaster Club, which you've been kind enough to mention, which is um, a membership section. It's a message board, and we have a lot of uh, member benefits uh, big monthly drawings. As of today, and we haven't announced yet because we're still kind of beta testing it. If you're a member of our Pitmaster Club, you can you can browse our website without advertising. Really? It, it's got an it's got like an ad blocker. When you log into the club, it blocks all third party paid ads. So you join the Pitmaster Club, no more, and the website loads faster. All the pages browse oh, faster. Yeah, right. It's really nice, and no more mortgage come ons. Or weight loss pitches. It's the and we and we we're testing it all day today. It's at, it's live. It's gone live, but we haven't announced it even to the members yet until we find out if it's debugged. And so far, all my testers, no complaints. So it's working. So ad free website. Yes, Meathead taking it to the streets out there in the windy city. Uh, Meathead, as always, I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you again in a couple weeks. It's Meathead Goldwyn, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. Ad-free browsing on uh, the worldwide internets of AmazingRibs.com. Oh, my Lord. That doesn't affect your bottom line? I thought you needed impressions to make the the millions. uh, That is, you know, AmazingRibs.com. Nevertheless, we continue on. Guys, if you're like me and Gail's. Step up the barbecue and grilling game. How do you do it? ButcherBBQ.com. We got Dave coming up next hour, by the way. How about that? Have you checked out the new website? Do it now. ButcherBBQ.com. Have you checked out the fact that shipping to your door is now $8 on any order? While everybody else is paying through the nose in shipping every other company that is doing business with the federal post office, Dave is the exact opposite. You want to order $78 worth of stuff or $178 worth of stuff or $278 worth of stuff, $8 to ship it. How about that? It's fabulous. If you're looking for the rubs, the sauces, the injections, as we'll talk about here in uh, 15 minutes or so, the new rubs, you're going to be looking for those too. Come on, 8 bucks to ship. Now, we mentioned it here and there. The trade-in link, what does it mean? Simply this. Uh, There's new stuff coming out all the time. Nobody knows this better than me. And uh, there's a idea that the grass is always greener. 
So you're going to stray every once in a while. So maybe you're going to do it with the injection. Well, first of all, uh, shame on you. Uh Nevertheless, you've tried it out. The scores tumble. The high fives aren't coming as frequent at the block parties or backyard barbecues. And you know it's because you traded out the butcher's barbecue injection for something else. Well, before you paid this money for the injection, it's not that good. You're stuck. You're either just going to keep it because you're going to feel incredibly guilty and your wife is going to punch you in the neck for buying something and now you're tossing it away. So you're going to keep it, but you're never going to use it. What are you going to do? How about a pound-for-pound exchange from Dave Bosco Butcher Barbecue? Go to the website. Click on trade-in link. Print off the paper. Send in your commercially made injection. Dave is going to get it. He's going to wait. And then he's going to give you back pound-for-pound the same weight in his product at your request. So if you want bird booster, if you want the uh, beef injection or the pork injection, the prime injection, you name it, they will weigh what you send him, and then he will send you uh, his product back to you. So he's making his customers happy. He's making his competitors' customers happy as well. And he's the only one doing trade-in from uh, what I understand when it comes to the world of injection. So not only is he leading the way with cutting-edge technology and great products that are tested and tested and tested, you can find it all at ButcherBBQ.com. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right. We are back. Thanks again to Meathead for joining me for two segments. Hopefully you got the uh, info you were hoping for. Uh, we're going to step away. We're reloading for the second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Hi, this is Scott Greenia from Fairfax, Vermont, also known as Scotty DQ, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? We have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. But listen, Laburnius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. hey You have found the Barbecue Central show. This is the show where we, as a collective, talk about the world of live fire, outdoor cooking, grilling, and so forth. This show comes at you live from the Barbecue Central Radio Networks located in Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. We do it every Tuesday. If you missed the first hour, where were you? Meathead was on, usually on the second Tuesday of the month, but he was out of town couple weeks ago but he's made good by showing up uh, tonight we talked about wine and barbecue 
not specific, like, very intricate stuff, but we gave you some good direction to go if you're going to start to get into that stuff. As I said, it seems the colder it gets, the more questions I get about wine and barbecue. So we hit that tonight. We also gave some quick tips about grilling in the cold and barbecuing in the cold, safety stuff. And then we answered some listener questions that we got on the Facebook as well. So if you missed it, it's going to be up on podcast in about 54 minutes from now. And Well, that's not right. In about, two, uh, and in about an hour and 55 minutes from now. 11.59, that show posts. And uh, if you missed it for whatever reason or parts of it, you have to step in, you got to step out. I mean, who knows? There's a lot of... Uh, political stuff that's going on nowadays we got a uh, got an election coming up here sooner or later so i get it some things take priority over the show i mean i don't get it but i mean i get it anyway if you missed the first hour go back and get the podcast meathead was great as always still to come on the show tonight for the second hour dave bosca butcher barbecue we're gonna be talking about the four new rubs that he is bringing to market and then scott roberts will be coming up at ten thirty-five. And we're going to be talking about the best of 2015, three sauces, three rubs. So six total products. Here's a question on Facebook that I want to ask you. Go ahead and answer it in the chat room. This was from Laura Kelly Jones on her wall. I don't know if anybody knows her. I don't actually know her. I have a lot of friends. I don't know any of them on Facebook. Uh Here's the question. Give me your answers in the chat room. You've been kidnapped. You can call on the characters from one television show to make a rescue attempt. Which show do you pick? Again, you've been kidnapped. You can call on the characters from one television show to make a rescue attempt. Which show do you pick? There seems to be no uh, rules or boundaries on shows. So, David Qualls, the A-team. Of course. Mr. T, Murdoch, Face, Hannibal, making plans, loving it when plans come together. Diane Mee, NCIS, Doug Scheiding. Doug, I got to tell you, man, we must be brothers from other mothers. Actually, uh, we we are brothers from other mothers. I'm thinking, logically, hands down, the best answer, the best, most logical answer, of course, is Superman. Uh, nobody has kryptonite. He can fly. He's indestructible. He's not going to fail at making an attempt. So the the best answer hands down, and it's not even arguable, is Superman. Superman is is the guy. Now, holding Superman off to the side, I think the best guy to get rescued uh, or, or attempt the rescue is Doug Scheiding's answer. And to be more specific, uh, not uh, – who's the broad? Uh, what's the broad's name? I, I want to say Ellie, but it's not Ellie. Uh, Doug will know. But it's not the girl, Elizabeth Keene. I'm sorry. It's not Elizabeth Keene. I, get her away. I want Raymond Reddington of the Blacklist because here's the deal. First of all, if you've never seen it, it's going to be completely lost on you, but it's the best show in the world. 
Uh, James Spader plays Raymond Reddington, who is uh, the most wanted FBI person, and he is connected in any kind of thousands of ways. He's going to show up. He might bring Dembe, his sidekick, who is an assassin of seismic proportions. He will neutralize your captor. And then the best part, I mean, this guy's character is so cool. The best part is now you're hanging out with Raymond Reddington. You're going to be taking trips back to your home in private jets. You're going to be partaking in the finest Cuban cigars, who uh, perhaps in a guy like Raymond's position, you probably have 10 or 15 real Cuban cigar rollers under your employ. You're going to be sipping on the finest distilled spirits that money can buy in your Gulfstream 650 as you're running back to the United States. And perhaps because you are with Raymond Reddington and you are feeling very cool and he's that kind of guy, you guys might get into or I might get into a little nefarious activity with Raymond Reddington, you know, maybe making a quick stop in uh, New Amsterdam or somewhere along these or not New Amsterdam, but in Amsterdam. Raymond Reddington is is a great is one of the best choices. Again, the most obvious answer is Superman. Hands down. Let's see what everybody else is saying. So why is Superman and Batman in the same movie? I don't know. Supergirl, Wendy Paquette is saying Supergirl. Dave Bosca, MASH crew, they can do anything. MASH. Matt Boer, Arrow. I don't know who Arrow is. Another person saying A-Team. Agent Keen, right? Uh, Elizabeth Keen, by the way, Doug. I don't want to get. Uh, I don't want to start picking nits. Matthew Boer again saying, "Greg, you're wrong." Tuffy Stone, the scientist, will figure it out and then feed you awesome Q. The Sopranos, Patrick Puckett, they're criminals. Pick a Bond girl. Uh-oh. Meathead. Maxwell Smart getting a nod. Jason Bourne. I like Jason Bourne too, Dave. I love Jason. Great answers. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. So everybody loves, by and large, barbecue pit masters with Tuffy Stone, Myron Mixon, uh, Aaron Franklin has been a judge, and Diva Q has been a judge. Mo Kason, I believe, is uh, currently the the judge or the third judge. California-based producer-distributor GRB Entertainment has secured deals that will see factual titles head to Discovery Network's Latin America, U.S. Hispanic. Discovery has acquired four seasons of grilling competition series Barbecue Pitmaster for Latin America, as well as four seasons of untold stories of the ER for the U.S. Hispanic arm of the Discovery Communications. So... Perhaps just when you thought that barbecue on television was starting to trend down a bit, our friends in Latin America are going to be getting a full-on dose of Myron Mixon and Tuffy Stone and whoever uh, the third judge is in the seasons that they've bought. So keeping that going. I just had a... Oh, right, here it is. 
Now let's do this quickly. The weekly barbecue roundup. Mm. I'm scared to play any music because YouTube shuts me down anymore. They're crazy. Nothing happened in the KCBS. Let me get to my weekly barbecue roundup uh, screen here in the newsroom. Uh, John and Timmy are back there. Timmy's sleeping, of course. In Texas, uh, right from Doug Shiding, as we had just mentioned, the aforementioned Doug Shiding. Two items of note, uh, Texas Gulf Coast, they're converting to the modified Georgia's best scoring system for all cookoffs starting in February. So this means only one round of judging and score sheets. Also, number two, the Pitmasters of Texas Championship Invitational event, the POTCIE, has been officially launched with an associated website, POTCIE.com. Pitmasters can enter their top 10 cooks from qualifying cooks in Texas for points. And the top 100 will be invited to an invitational event in January of next year. We will finally have a top cook in the state for the year and by category. Steve Graham's leading the charge on this. Congratulations, Steve. Steve, we're going to be hooking up soon. We're going to be talking about Potosi. I'm giving it the nickname Potosi. Yeah, Kinger, I'm going to do that. It's called being lazy, my friend. Being lazy. You know about that. You're a sales guy. Chops power injector system. Yeah. I'm going off script. First of all, the website is this. Barbecue Kansas City. B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. Barbecue Kansas City. I meant to say Potsy too, Doug. Sorry. I got caught up. For years and years, look, you are injecting. I guarantee it. Whether you're in the backyard, whether you're on the competition scene, maybe you're catering and you've thought about it. But then you're like me. You know, I want to do, when I started injecting, I had the great products. I was ready to go. What sucks about injecting the old-fashioned way? One freaking needle. With all of the evolutions and all the growth and all the advancements within this industry, how does one syringe cut the cake anymore? It doesn't. It's ridiculous. It's antiquated. It's slow. It's miserable. It takes forever to do one butt or one brisket. Heaven forbid you're doing a full brisket. The Chops Power Injector System is the 2015 National Barbecue Association Tool of the Year. Yeah, but forget about that. This thing is going to change your life. If you inject with any kind of regularity, you need to get rid of the single needle McGillicuddy and go to the Chops Power Injector System. There's two different sizes of the uh, traditional mop. These are the ones that come with the holding tanks. Both four needles. You have a half gallon, you have a full gallon. Then you have a full electric one. Instead of the holding tank, you got a three and a half foot pickup tube. You can put it in, you know, 55 ounces. You can put it in 55 gallon drum if you want. Uses all of the liquid that you have in there. But you're not messing around with one freaking needle taking 10 minutes to do one butt. Trust me, with the Chops power injector system, if you have the half gallon or the full gallon one, you can be able to do like 20 butts in 10 minutes, maybe even more. You have four needles. They're evenly spaced. You plunge down. You hit the release trigger. Boom. Here goes the liquid. Pumping up your briskets. Pumping up your pork butts. People are going to start injecting ribs here any second. I know. I'm sure they are. Look. Efficiency is key if you're doing a lot of injecting. Even if you're doing one, this thing pays for itself in the time it's going to save you. Spend the 100 bucks, Get the half gallon. You can inject a butt. 
In two minutes. It's that simple. I'm telling you right now. BarbecueKansasCity.com, the place to go. Tell them I sent you. You'll be happy that you did. You buy one, you don't like it, I will buy it from you. It's that simple. All right, Dave Bosca coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Right, welcome back. Look, and I'm not even kidding. With that Chops power injector system, I could go on and on and on about how great that thing is. Literally, if if you inject it with any frequency, you are doing yourself an incredible disservice if you don't spend the money. Here's the deal. Spend that money. You will be happy that you did. Spend that money. You will be happy that you did. It's great. I love it. I don't even inject that much, and it's the best money I ever spent. All right, folks, my next guest, a championship-winning pitmaster on the barbecue circuit, a purveyor of fine rub sauces and injections. You've seen him appear on the TV show Barbecue Pitmasters, which we were just talking about going to Latin America. Tonight we're talking about rubs, uh, specifically the new ones he's bringing to market. So let's go ahead and head over to the hotline and welcome the pitmaster of Butcher's Barbecue, longtime sponsor of this show, which I appreciate and adore. Most importantly, friend of the show, Dave Bosca, joining us. Dave, how are you, buddy? Hey, we're doing great, man. So, Dave, here you are again. Uh, just when you think you have the complete barbecue retail world by the ear, you're not the guy that stands pat. It's not good enough. There's always something going on in, in the head of yours. So, I'm here's my interest is this. You have great rubs already. You have injections. People use them. People love them. You use them. You love them. People are winning with them. So it's obviously a, a well-established thing. So when you're looking into new product development, you're having uh, four rubs that are either have just freshly hit or getting ready to hit the market for uh, people to buy and consume and love. How long past has it been? And that's not even the right English, but I apologize. But how long have these rubs been in your head? And how long of a process has it been from in your mind to where you're ready to start shipping? The pecan rub is the longest one I've spent um, working on. It's been a solid year and a half. Good year, year and a half, been playing with that one. Um, I've had a devil of a time finding a pecan flavor that I liked. We we just had a hard time with it. I, I would mix up a batch, then I'd find a flavor. I'd call the companies. We'd get the flavoring. Um I'd run up to where I get all my stuff blended at. I'd get some of their salts and sugars and coriander and all the different stuff that goes in the rubs. And that way I can be using the same thing that we're going to be buying with them. And I'd come back and blend it together, portion it out, all done by percentages. And I'd taste it. I didn't like it. I have a little Ziploc bag and I'd throw it down here beside my little easy chair in the living room and Three, four months later, I'd open it up and taste it, and my wife would be sitting right here, and she'd go, it tastes the same as it did last time. It hasn't <laughs> changed. You didn't like it then. You're not going to like it now. It, it, and I went, 
is there any is there any possibility and, and I'm speaking out of complete ignorance and I apologize but is there any possibility that that time in between could have changed something absolutely absolutely as rubs as spices blend together as they get together um, smoke powdering will change the way that sugars present on your palate um, as one, blends in with the other, melts in with the other, whatever you want to call it as it's in a package, it will start to overtake another one. Um, uh, rosemary, thyme, those things get stronger. And it's not that they're actually getting stronger, but the other ones will take on the flavors of, of those. Uh, and peppers, there's certain kind of peppers that will take on flavors out of that package. Um, and others will take it on and you don't realize it because salt and sugars are the two most ingredients in most all rubs. And those two items will take on certain flavors while it's, while it's melting together, for lack of better words, whereas we call it aging the rub. You can finger taste it as soon as you put it together, but you need to taste it 24, 36 hours later. That's, that's the real key. Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue joining me here on the show. Uh, for the folks that haven't seen it on social media or aren't keeping up as they should, uh, what are the flavors that are going to be new to the market? We have four flavors, and one thing that was mentioned, they asked me, why are you doing four all at one time? It's not that I'm doing all at one time. We are doing multiple things this year. One of them is we're rebranding the product. Um, our whole logo system is changing. If you'll actually look at the pictures we've been posting we've got we've hired a, a graphic guy out of georgia and he's working with me on this but the four flavors we're going to be releasing this time is our smoked chipotle seasoning a savory pecan seasoning a wild cherry seasoning and one we're calling the butcher's private blend all right so let's take them one by one uh, one of the the more popular flavors and it was the first one you mentioned the uh, the chipotle flavor uh, that seems to be kind of popular, uh, you know, rubs, uh, barbecue sauces. Uh, you have a grilling oil that's Chipotle-flavored as well. Uh, what does this rub kind of bring to the table, in your opinion? What it's not bringing is a lot of heat, okay? People associate Chipotle with a, a heat and a spice. This is bringing a Chipotle flavor. Um, I'm not a heat person. I've never have been, and I'm... I have a hard time selling something I don't like, and if I don't like using it, I I, I just don't like putting it out there. But the Chipotle one will have a great Chipotle flavor. I want it to be about the third, fourth flavor you get on your palate as you're tasting it. I don't want it to be up front. I don't want it to be the first one. I don't want it to be hot. Um, but I want it to be a flavor, and that's that's what this is going to bring to the table versus a lot of the chipotle flavors that are in rubs. It's a heated chipotle flavor. And that's not what we went with. Uh, is there a particular meat or way in use that you think is going to be particularly advantageous for the consumer? On this particular rub? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I'm not a fan of this one on beef. Uh, I think it's going to go great on any light-colored meat, uh, anything with the chicken, the pork, um, certain type, other type birds, fowl, uh, 
But on dark meats, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, when I say dark meats, the, the heavy muscles, the, the rounds, the briskets, that type of stuff. But I think it'll be fine with the maybe some of the T-bone, the loin meats, things of that nature. All right. Uh, the other rub that you mentioned is a cherry rub. And I think I haven't seen a lot of I've, I've heard of them here and there, but uh, really haven't seen one that really kind of gets out in front. Where uh, where was the thought on bringing a cherry rub to market? What we did, we we toyed with a couple different cherries. Some of them I got tasted like Sucrets uh, lozenges, and that's yeah. not what I wanted. I wanted <laughs> a rub with a cherry flavor. Um, it, it's a little redder than the other rubs, and that's done by for marketing purposes. The cherry product itself is not red. Um, but cherry cherry is it can go it can blend in with a lot of other flavors. If you're working with certain kind of sauces, things of that nature, the cherry product goes well with it. Um, and that's why we come up with a cherry cherry item. Is this something that would, in a use sense, go particularly well with the pork versus some of the other meats? Just because you know a lot of people will have a tendency to uh, pair up something sweeter with the pork products than you're going to do with either. Well, probably chicken too, but uh, probably not the beef so much. Probably so. I, I mean, let's be real. We're we haven't come out with a rub in four years. It's been four years since I put a rub out on the market. Um listening and talking to a lot of my retailers that sell our product, they were giving me ideas. I've been tasting rubs for a long time, man. I like that. I like that. I like that. No, don't like that style. Don't like the way that hits my palate. And cherry is is an an item that I looked at that I liked well. I looked at apple also, but all the apple that I kept tasting was sour apple, green apples. I, I, I never tasted anything that I would taste in a rub and go, oh, that goes good with the with the salt and the thyme and the um, dried mustards and the that class. I never found an apple that I thought would go with it that wasn't over over the the hill all completely apple flavored. Um, and that's not what I I don't I don't like any of my stuff to be that way. Will the cherry rub add a? a- a deeper layer of color because it is red or is that not going to translate? As you said, it's, it's more red in the, in the uh, bottle for marketing purpose. Will that translate also onto the product? Yes, it will. It's what you have to do to make it that red. You use a paprika oil and I'll give you a little trade secret on that. What you do is you take salt and sugar. It's your first two ingredients you add in and you add a paprika oil. This, this oil is not a flavoring oil. It's for coloring only. And you color the two main ingredients, which is that, like I said, salt, sugar. Then you start adding your other items to it. Um, but then that gives the rub a red tint. Yeah. The pecan or pecan uh, rub that you were talking about, the one that you've really kind of, you know, mold for the, the longest period of time. So in the end, obviously, you've got a product that you are comfortable enough and you like enough to, to bring to the market. But um what kind of a is it like a, a nut pecan flavor or more subtle or more over the top or where does that fit into the profile? Well, let's start out with it's pecan. It's not pecan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's pecan. Pecan. All right. <laughs> 
Um, it, 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 I don't want to keep harping on it all, but it is, it's just a savory pecan flavor with rub. This one is going to be stronger in the front than the other rubs. Uh, when you taste this one, you will taste the pecan. Then you'll start getting the other flavors of the rub. Uh, all the other items, I've got the rub in front of the flavor, uh, but not this one. This one, the pecan is is out in front. It's not so large that it's going to kick you off, the, the not liking it. But pecan is a mild flavor. Can you actually taste what a pecan is? You could, you know what a cherry tastes like. You know what peaches are. You know what a strawberry is. But what is an actual pecan flavor? We know it as a wood or a smoke. Yep. And you got pecan pie, pecan casseroles and stuff. But that's all done with high fructose corn syrups and, and that type stuff. So I had to find the pecan flavor. And when I did, all of them got – the ones that I found that was really strong in flavor was synthetic or man-made. And it did not come across when it was cooked with. Uh, I really didn't like it. It had a saccharine fla- uh, flavor to it for the artificial stuff. And when it was actually used on some meat, oh, it was it was terrible. It was terrible. You can ask the judges. They got a few of them. <laughs> uh, the, the last one you said it was the, the private. Um, what, uh, what makes it so private? I have used this rub on my chicken for quite a while. We've done very well in chicken on the contest circuit. This is my favorite go-to rub when I needed something. A year ago when we did the pit masters, when we made that ribeye, cowboy ribeye, this rub was on it. Um, I've had it for a while. It's just a blend of all around great barbecue rub. We added a little bit of a smoke flavor to it. Um, I think it'll be a little bit better this way than what I've had it six months ago. For the last six months, I've been playing with that. But it is the same base rub that I've had for quite a long time in my little red cabinet in my trailer. And it's good across the board on meats. Oh, yes, yes. You, When you taste it, you'll get some salt, you'll get some sugar, you'll get all the thyme, you'll get a little coriander, you'll get you'll get everything in there. If your palate is sharp enough, you can get everything that's in that rub in 15 seconds wow. by tasting it. It's, it's an all-around great rub. Dave, one of the things that you mentioned when we were talking about uh, the cherry rub, and I'm just interested in, in the process, is you said, you know, you want the, you know, the cherry or the pecan or, you know, whatever to be up front and then rub back or the rub up front and the flavor in the back. Like, how do you, uh, how are you able to do that? I mean, if it's all just in one bottle, how can you figure out what's going to hit your palate first and what's going to hit your palate second? Okay. When you're, it goes to how you're actually making the rubs, uh, Rubs are made in percentages, and the more percentage of something you got in there, the stronger it's going to be. Uh, anything in a hole is 100%. If I'm going to make a 100 pounds of rub, 200 pounds of rub, or 465 pounds of rub, it's all in percentages. If I need to make 100 pounds for easy figuring, if 38% is salt and 
12% is sugar. There's 50% of the rub right there. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how many pounds you make. It's all going to be the same percentage. So if I'm like 450 pounds, I need 38% of that is going to be my salt. And it goes all the way through the formula that way. So the, the if you want more cherry flavor, you put more of it in there. But it's all in the percent world. So if you want more of a cherry to hit you on the front side, you'll step it up from maybe 12.5%, take it up to 20%, see how does that go into your uh, flavor, and you'll get it stronger, more of it than you will your time, your, your things of that nature. It seems... From my perspective, uh, and someone who's never put any product out on the market at all, that particular thing, and it's probably something similar with sauces, that would be the most time-consuming thing of the whole process is to figure out percentages of how much of something you want to hit when you want it to hit. Yes and no. And let me tell you, anybody that wants to get into this, go to your supplier, get the exact same thing they're doing. Uh, Salt is your biggest biggest worst enemy you you the the and i and i i'm going to draw a blank or say it wrong the nickel the naci nac2 something like that the the sodium count the flavor the the sodium that hits your flavor that makes salt salt is identical on every salt there is but how much of it is a flat or round surface that hits your tongue is how it flavors okay so if you're getting a fine ground salt in a tablespoon, there's the same amount of sodium count in that tablespoon as if you had a, a coarser rock salt. But there's more surface texture on the finer grind than there is the larger grind. So it will hit your palate stronger. Okay? So all of that goes into play. Um, so definitely go get exactly what you're going to use to save yourself a lot of time and blend it and start blending with what they have. Cause you can go to the grocery store and you can buy, uh, Morton table salt. You can go get some, uh, cane sugar. You can go get all that stuff. But if it's a different grind of the product, the grind of the pepper, it's going to change whenever they go to making it. And that's what we've done with this. We, we're we buying we, – I'm real adamant about where we get our products. This stuff I've gotten even larger with. The, it's going to cost just a fraction more than what our other rubs are, but it's a finer product. It's a higher-end spices. We're making them in smaller batches to control everything, and one of the best controls is the final product. And what I mean by that – is what happened today um, is the best example. I'm unloading. I had a little over uh, a thousand, a little under a thousand bottles of the butcher's private seasoning. Um, I had a pallet of it, and I was unloading it out of the truck. I pop open a jar. I taste it. I don't like it. I'm like, this is not right. I call the guy up. And I said, what happened? What what what? did check the formula. Something's not right. And he was telling me it was the pepper. And I said, damn right. It's the pepper. This stuff ain't good. And I loaded it all back up on the truck and it's gone, going all the way back up to them. Nope. I cannot distribute that product. We, I'm, I'm going to hold off on sending this out 
because of that item today. It That's just nature of the beast, and that's what happens. Now, is that a from a cost perspective, they just take that back in kind and, and they'll make it what you want, or is there some type of trade back for you that's going to come out of pocket? It's not out of my pocket. Um, these The folks that I deal with up there, they're – I'm very fortunate. The people that blend my stuff's just 30 minutes up the road. Uh, they, we're, we're going to do what they're going to do what they have to do to make it right. Okay. Where I'm not in it to make them lose money. Um, they're not in it to make me lose money, but that product I, is not hitting the street. It's still sitting in the back of the truck and it's going back up in the morning. In regards to when people can buy, uh, give us some time frames here. I have a standard operating procedure that when I get all the product, I ship it to the stores. I wait three days, and then we truly release it. I I'm a, I really try to help out my stores. I want them to be educated. I want them to have the product. I don't want to have them standing there with the stupid look face when a customer comes in and says, hey, I see that Butcher's got new product. Um, he's selling it. Do you have it? And they look at them and go, I haven't heard nothing about it. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been taking orders for two and a half to three weeks from stores. Um, those orders are put in with my initial order. When I get it, they get their product. Then we start selling it. I, I'm i real adamant about taking care of my stores. They take care of me. I'm going to take care of them. Dave Bosca is the Pitmaster Butcher Barbecue's competition team. Also, four new rubs getting ready to hit the market. So follow them on Facebook. Check the website, butcherbbq.com. And once they're out, uh, you'll be able to get your hands on that. And remember, everything's shipping at 8 bucks, so uh, shipping is cheap. I'm not sure, Dave, how you've uh, pounded UP, uh, USPS into submission, but you're uh, doing a continuously great job on that. So uh, from, uh, I took the postmaster down to his knees. I gave him a wedgie. <laughs> That's the man. Uh, Dave, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, man, thanks for letting me on. And everybody, trust your butcher. That's right. Trust your butcher, Dave Bosco. Butcherbbq.com, butcherbbq.com. So when he releases a three-day wait, and then it will go ahead uh, live on the website, and you'll be able to grab your four new rubs up and check them out for yourself. Very excited. Folks, Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue, the number one dealer of Mac Pellet Grills in the world, selling great American-made grills and smokers like the old Hickory Ace BP, the Gateway Drum Smoker, even a drum kit that gives you everything you need to make a 55-gallon drum uh, smoker. Big Papa's made a name for itself by crafting award-winning lines of championship rubs from flavors like Sweet Money to Happy Ending. They're pretty much winning every major and non-major competition out there in the world right now. Don't think that they can just be pigeonholed in competitive barbecue. little restaurant na- uh, named BJ's Restaurant Brewhouse, it's a nationwide chain, by the way, has four of the nine BPS rub featured on their permanent menu. You get the glowing reviews here from everybody that uses Big Papa Smokers rubs. That's why they're in my pantry. They should be in anybody's pantry. It's a great addition. Big Pop is also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa's website also features an online meat locker with top-quality meats from Snake River Farm shipped right to your door from the American Kobe Beef 
the Kurabuda pork, the double R ranch meats. Big Papa's Meat Locker has something for every type of barbecue aficionado. They're going to bring you the best flavors like they do each and every year. Big Papa's also has the BPS Elite Team featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind that Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all of this within only five-plus years of being in business, turning competition barbecue on its head, providing customers with the very best barbecue products on the market, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Again, the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. We're back with Scott Roberts and the best of 2015 sauce and rubs right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Thanks to Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue for joining me last segment, talking about the new rubs and how he's making new rubs and all this other stuff. Hey, if you use the Amazon, do me a favor. Head on over to my website. Click on the Amazon.com link at the top of the navigation. And then purchase your little face-off. does not increase the price for you, but we get a little kickback from it. We reinvest all that money right here into the show. Something easy for you to do to help the show out. Plus... Support those sponsors. 2015, a year of sauce, a year of rubs. We have our very own official sauce and rub reviewer. He is a fiery foods expert as well, a voiceover artist, perhaps a podcast host still. I mean, who knows? We'll see about that as well. We go and visit Scott Roberts. Scott, how are you, buddy? Doing fantastic. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Scott. Appreciate the time as always. All right, so let there me let me hit on that uh, real quick because I had somebody say, "Hey, when is Scott Roberts going to be doing the Firecast, or when is that coming back to air? What's the status of the Firecast?" Took a little break for the holidays. Just things got really, really busy. Uh, been busy this month, but early February, I actually have a couple of episodes in the can. All Just right. need to finish in. Uh, just editing those up and should be ready to go real soon. Yes, I don't want to say anything, Scott, but of course I'm very busy as well, and I'm here once a week doing a friggin' show. So here we go. Uh, Scott, oh, yeah. <laughs> Scott Roberts. Uh, so uh, before we get into the best of 2015, uh, is there any breaking fiery foods news that we need to know about? Actually, not at this moment, and I'm kind of glad. I know, you know, the years I've been on the show, there's been like a big chili pepper heat race, and I've talked about it from time to time. I'm kind of glad that's died down for the most part. Uh, I imagine at some point somebody's going to come up with a hotter pepper, but nothing really new to report. Uh, some really great uh, hot sauce festivals coming up this year, and I have a, a up-to-date calendar on my website at scottrobertsweb.com. So if you like things on the spicy side of things, uh, take a look at that calendar, see if there's something nearby, an event. Uh, people and vendors that have a lot of great products, uh, come check them out. Uh, Scott, is, is the Balut Jalokia pepper still the the hottest one out there? Am I saying that Bucilokia, right? Jalokia, I think that stopped being the hottest 
maybe late 2010, early 2011. <laughs> I'm right on top of it, everybody. <laughs> Breaking news. I don't know what I'm talking about. Nothing new to this crowd. Yeah. Um, by the way, we yep. landed on the moon. I didn't know if you knew that. What? Wow. <laughs> we did it. Just like Yay. Dumb and Dumber. Uh, all right. So what's the hottest pepper out there right now? It's still Smoking Ed's Carolina Reaper pepper. Oh, Car- right. The Reaper pepper. I remember that the- now. Uh, now, and it, it's a naturally grown and, and bred pepper. It's not like extract or anything weird like that, right? Not an extract. It, it is kind of a hybrid, but it's been stable for the most part for so many different generations. So it's kind of its own uh, strain, its own uh, cultivar right now, if you can kind of consider that. I know the lines of distinction are blurred at some point. You know, anybody could like, Blend two peppers together and claim, oh, I've invented a brand new chili pepper. Well, it takes a while. You need It needs to be stable uh, genetically in all kinds of different criteria, which I won't get into. But uh, it's pretty much stable for the most part. All right. Uh, Scott Roberts joining us. ScottRobertsWeb.com is website. So we're doing products of the year for 2015. This was a, a great idea. And, uh, of course, I'm, every time you're on, it's like, oh, what are the best ones that he likes right now or this, that, and the other thing? So uh, right off the top of the bat of 2016, we can look back at last year and see which ones you think are tops of the top. And we start with number three in the rubs category, which is D's Nuts Honey Pecan Barbecue Rub. Pecan, you're absolutely pecan. right. Right, I was learned uh, last second. I, I love, I love Dave, but it is pecan. Pecan, we right? Have to say that right off the bat. <laughs> okay, uh, so it's D's nuts, honey pecan barbecue rub. Yes, yes. Um, I'm not a big fan of a really bitter nut flavor, but this particular rub does have a natural pecan flavor in it. It's super sweet, which is great on chicken and pork. Uh, just the right blend of ingredients. You don't have to worry about adding different things to it you know something more savory or spicy or anything terrific on its own like i said uh, chicken and pork beautiful does a great job on everything it's not overpowering but just a fantastic blend of flavors so uh you know since it is number three uh, I did kind of come up with uh ratings you know we kind of go from like one to five yeah uh this would be uh, in between the uh, top 10 call and the grand champion. So this would be about a 4.5. Wow. So I would say it's a reserve grand champion. Yeah, wow. Want to get this one. All right, so where do you get it mm-hmm. and uh, how much are you getting and how much is the price? Okay, you can get it at meatchurch.com. Comes in a 12-ounce shaker bottle for $9. So it's a pretty big amount, but you will go through this rather quickly. Great product. All right, uh, number two is a uh, was a longtime sponsor of this show, Suckle Busters Bam Barbecue Rub. Yes, and of course, a uh, full disclosure, Suckle Busters is a sponsor of the Firecast as well. Uh, but there's a reason, you know, they are, and they were for the Barbecue Central show, because they make great products. And this one... Uh, I think it started off as a base of a nice, sweet, and spicy rub. But, of course, you get that extra little kick from a more chili pepper powder. And if you love uh, rubs and spices on the really fiery end of the scale, this one is terrific. And, again, you kind of have to be a chili head already to appreciate the full effect of it. Uh, 
even though I'm a chili head, I don't like things extremely hot when it comes to barbecue. I like it in probably medium amounts. And this one is, to me, is a perfect definition of that. Uh, really good, really versatile. Uh, you get sweetness and saltiness and a, a terrific savory flavor with some heat on the back end. So uh, really good product. Uh, as far as where you can get it, uh, how much you're getting of it, and the price point. Okay. You can get this at sucklebusters.com, a four-ounce shaker bottle for $5.99 plus shipping. And when it comes to the ratings, this one would be a grand champion. Grand champion. Wow. Mm-hmm. You can't get higher yeah. than that. And we're not even a number one yet. Um, yeah, we're not. Sucklebusters.com. <laughs> um, price point-wise, uh, Scott, w- are you good with that? Or is that a little high? Or could they get more? Or what do you think? I, I think if you would have a run-of-the-mill rub, it would be a little too high. But since it is a quality product, it's well worth it. And uh, Dan Arnold, I believe, has some uh, uh, larger containers, larger sizes you can purchase on the website uh, that save you a couple bucks on there. But that is probably the smallest one, the one that people would probably go for the most. So I would say that is a good deal. All right. Uh, the next one that you have listed is the Albuquerque Red Chili Barbecue Rub. Yes. And as you can probably guess, yes, this is really chip chili pepper dominated. Uh, so if you tend to have a palate that enjoys, it's not just the heat of chili peppers, but uh, the flavor, the, the richness, the uh, bitterness, the kind of almost a smoky edge of things like paprika, maybe some New Mexican chili pepper powder, all that kind of stuff mixed in. And so that is its flavor profile. It's not going to be anything that you would expect to be versatile, highly versatile. You could try it on anything. But, you know, I did try it on beef and pork and chicken, and it does fairly well because I did happen to dig this flavor profile. Uh, A little spicier than your typical barbecue rubber seasoning. But the more I used it and the more I ate with this on there, the more I fell in love with this. And this is one of those kind of oddball products I probably would not recommend to everybody. But if you really love this type of flavor profile, it is absolutely stellar. So, you know, I was trying to bounce around, think of, you know, what would be my best sauce or I'm sorry, my best rub that I tried this year. And this one just kind of kept reaching a top spot. So I would really highly recommend it. And it's the best new rub I've tried this year. Best new one. All right. Uh, Where can you get it and uh, how much is it? Okay. It's kind of an oddball spelling, Albuquerque seasonings. It's not spelled like the town Albuquerque, which is, you know, really kind of difficult to spell on its own. It's (laughs) like the, the, the first name Kirk, you know, Kirky, with a Y at the end, so it's albuquerqueseasonings.com. Uh, j- just do a Google search. You'll probably find it a little bit easier that way. You can get a six-ounce shaker bottle for 6 bucks plus shipping and handling. All right, uh, so that's your rubs. These Nuts Honey Pecan Barbecue Rub, Suckle Busters Bam Barbecue Rub, and Albuquerque Red Chili Barbecue Rub. So let's go ahead and uh, go to the sauces. Uh, Pappy's Smokehouse Original Barbecue Sauce. Yes. Uh, Pappy's is a smokehouse here in the St. Louis metro area, one of the best uh, renowned around the area. And, you know, believe it or not, I've really never taken the sauce home and tried it 
for myself until this past year. I've always loved it. And there's just something about it just really odd about it. You get this kind of a, a sweet dimension to it. But then you get uh, these other little things just coming into play. A uh, little bitterness, a little, I don't want to say sourness. But it, it just kind of dances around your tongue and it goes different places. In just some weird way, it all coalesces into one really odd but great unified flavor. And how it unifies, it's a sweet kind of rich flavorful sauce that goes great on just about everything. So if, you know, I happen to really love it. I don't use it all the time, but when I just kind of want something a little out of the ordinary, then I will reach for a bottle of this. And it, it's a great product. All right. Uh, where can you get it? Uh, how much are you getting of it? And how much is it? Okay. You can get it at pappysmokehouse.com, a large 19 ounce bottle for $6 plus shipping. Uh, fantastic deal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, QPR is huge on that. Uh, the next one is the Trifecta Sweet Heat Barbecue Sauce. Yes. Um, this one is – it has probably elements that are closer to a ketchup, and that is not my preferred flavor profile when it comes to a barbecue sauce, but it doesn't go all the way that direction. Thankfully, it kind of pulls back into something a little sweeter, a little darker – a little spicier, and this does have a little bit of heat, but it balances things out really, really well. It's, it's, um, it's one of those things that I would not try it on beef. It's not good in that capacity. But any type of uh, you know chicken, of course, all kinds of things taste great on chicken, but it really excels on that, on chicken wings, on shrimp, and, of course, pork. Uh, just by itself, it, it, it's, it's such a powerful flavor, but it really mellows out once you uh, cook it, you know, during the last few minutes of your grilling session. And to me, it actually tastes better on grilled food as opposed to low and slow smoked food. But it's just a really good sweet, has a little bit of spiciness on the back end, and just a terrific flavor profile overall. All right. Uh, what's the rating on this? Uh, the rating on this, I would give... Uh, probably a reserve grand champion. So it would be about a four and a half out of five. All right. And then the last one tonight is the Smoke Canyon Grilling and Barbecue Sauce. Yeah, this one came very late last year, just almost out of the blue. Smoke Canyon, they have one other product, which is a roasted jalapeno sauce that is just, oh, so good. And this one, it just blew me away. Uh, You get like a little hint of bourbon and... You know, when you come up with a barbecue sauce with some type of whiskey or bourbon or something like that, it's really easy to overdo it. And you get that eh, kind of irritating flavor, just something nagging on your tongue. It just doesn't taste right if it's kind of off balance. This one is perfectly on balance. It's You get a dark flavor, a sugary sweet flavor, a uh, little kick of spice as well, but this one is almost so good you could just uh, you know pour it right out of a jar right on your spoon and eat it that way wow but of course does great on meat and it's so versatile so good that uh, I couldn't imagine any other new sauce coming out this year that would beat it really yes so you, yes. this is your uh, out of the 
out of the horse gate line to line potential winner of the year? Uh, probably it's not, you know, uh, winning by a nose. It's winning by a whore, a, not a whore, but a whole horse length. It's just a great, great product. So, um, it, of course, the rating skill, this would be obviously a grand champion. Yeah, of course. Superb stuff. Wow. Um, where can you get it? Okay. The website is smokecanning.com. You can pick up a 16-ounce bottle for $5.95 plus oh, shipping. Wow. A terrific deal. Yep. If you, you know, I didn't even check on the website. If you can pick up uh, maybe a three-pack or six-pack, whatever they have, it, I would say that'd be well worth it if they do happen to offer it like that. All right. So uh, in the sauce category, it's Pappy's Smokehouse Original Barbecue Sauce, the Trifecta Sweet Barbecue Sauce, or Sweet Heat Barbecue Sauce. Sorry. Sweet Heat, yes. And the Smoke Canyon Grilling and Barbecuing Sauce, which is one that it sounds like you want to try uh, immediately, if not sooner. Uh, Scott Roberts, a uh, line-to-line and pulling away winner um, from uh, – and you think this could – could this make the number one for 2016 as well? Could we have, like, a, you know, a repeat – uh, I would say no, because I oh. tend to judge these things on what I try for the first time in any particular yep. calendar year. Gotcha. All so, right. Uh, unless I would have a time machine, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Scott Roberts can be found at scottrobertsweb.com and once a month here on this show because he is the official sauce and rub reviewer of the Barbecue Central Show. Scott, always appreciate the time, and uh, thanks especially for the 2015 best of list tonight. All right. Well, thank you very much, Greg. You got it. There he is. Scott Roberts, everybody. You need a guy to do a little voice work for you. Scott Roberts can do that as well. Maybe a little website stuff. He can do that as well. And then, of course, any uh, barbecue uh, grilling sauce and rub knowledge or uh, fiery food stuff, obviously. Wow. He's the man. All right. If you want that list, I'm going to save it. I can forward it up to you. Actually, I might even just uh, pop it in the show notes tonight. So... Uh, Take a look for it if you're interested in trying out the rubs or the sauces. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. Go back and check the podcast out if you missed that. In the second hour, Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue talked about the four new rubs that he's bringing to market. ButcherBBQ.com, they should be available for sale here, uh, you know, within, let's say, seven days or so. Uh, Visit ButcherBBQ.com for live, local, late-breaking action. Uh, Of course, any updates will be passed along here through this show or my social medias from Dave as well. And then we close out the show with Scott Roberts from ScottRobertsWeb.com doing the best 2015 sauces and rubs, three of each. I will link those in the show notes here in post-production. we got a big show lined up already for next week. I believe we start in February next week, all month. The number one KCBS cooking chicken and ribs and pork and brisket. I will be doing four separate interviews with those category winners. It will be like the barbecue roundtable, but it will be a roundtable with the number one cook in each category, breaking it all down in successive weeks. So very excited to get that started next week. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget and until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host, the proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.